Welcome to this week in Sparkling Water. My name is Joachim Eriksson, and I am the host of This Week in Sparkling Water. Last week we didn't have video, this week we have video. Um, we're back in the studio, but we don't have power. So if you're watching this, it looks a little bit different because we don't have power. It's been eight days with no power. It's a couple degrees above freezing outside. And it's a couple degrees above freezing inside. <laughs> it's... I'm going to be honest, it's it's a little bit weird to me. It's, it's... I don't... I didn't... I didn't expect this. I didn't expect this. Uh, this is something I associate maybe with, um, I don't know, a developing country. You know, like in Sweden, we don't have power outages like this. Like, we have power outages sometimes, and they can last for eight hours, and they can last for 12 hours. And in China, even in China, in China you have, like, you can have a mud hut, and it doesn't have power, but... If you're connected to the grid, you're connected to the grid, and they make it happen, you know? That state grid in China... The state grid in China is fucking... Dude, it's built on... Pure fucking backbone. It's just bone marrow salsa. All the way down. Beef tallow. And then you have this, and this is something I associate maybe with, you know... A part of sub-Saharan Africa where maybe the, the political process was captured by a warlord, you know? Maybe all the money that should have gone to the state grid, uh, to the power grid, maybe it uh, instead went to the niece of the energy commissioner. And maybe that niece is now studying in Berkeley and, ha and drives a Jaguar and has a really expensive wedding. And meanwhile... The people back home don't have power for eight days. But we're not in sub-Saharan Africa. We're in Northern California. It's been eight days. And it's, it's very cold. It's very cold and my house is a mess. My house is a mess. And I don't even know if this episode is going to work. I've never tried to record using just battery. Because devices like to be plugged in. I don't even know if this is going to be an episode. Let's see if we're even recording. Alright. Okay, it looks like it's recording. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, bro. Oh, Christ! Oh, my God, I spilled a bunch of boiling water on my legs. Because I'm trying to drink some hot water. Yeah, so there's a couple of limitations here, you know? couple of devices that could run out of battery and also I could just get too cold and I can't do it anymore. But um, I'm just going to bring up a couple of thoughts that I, so I've been working all week, even though I'm technically like snowed in, Highway 20 is closed, the, the highway I live on, it's closed and, and the only way to get to my house is that you you drive up to the Caltrans person that stands there with a state trooper or a highway sheriff, highway patrol car, whatever it is, 
some police officer, and you roll up on him and you show him a power bill. And you tell him, I live here. You have to, you have to let me go to my house. Because really, they don't want to let all the fucking coastal elite people go to their ski resorts. Because they don't want to have to rescue those people. But they let me through because I fucking... They have to let me go home, you know? So I go to work and I come back home. And I go to work and I come back home. And really, this, not having power, what it has made me feel like, what it has made me think of is that this is... The mind state that I've been in in the last eight days, it's a little bit of like a weird micro, it's like a thought experiment simulation of being poor or like underprivileged or something like that. Because it's just, there's this like strange bandwidth capture in your mind where I don't have time to do anything. Because I'm always worried about, my God, I can see my breath. I'm always worried about how to solve very basic problems. Like I wake up in the morning and I worry about where am I going to take a shower today before work? And then I have have this like humiliating thing where I have to text people and like see if like, hey, could I take a shower? And then graciously, Holbrook Hotel where I work, they're fucking champs and They've been letting me shower there before work a lot. <laughs> and it's tight because they have these beautiful, it's like a, these beautiful boutique hotel rooms where with like clawfoot bathtubs and everything. It's like gold detailing and every, the interior is so tasteful. The interior is amazing. Oh my, this hot water that I'm drinking is really helping actually. This is buying us a lot of time. This is Chinese style. Like in Beijing, they don't do heating. They just drink hot water. <clears throat> in Beijing, this fascinating thing about heating in Beijing is that there's a, it's centralized and it's like centralized in these big clusters where like an entire school system will be, will have one date that they've decided where like on that date we turn the heat on. And then that's decided January that's decided in the beginning of the year and they don't give a fuck if it's like a re if they decide November 30th and it's a really cold November they don't give a fuck we're doing it the date that we decided so sometimes you're two weeks before that date and it's like insanely cold everywhere and then they turn the heat on in this I mean must be these like massive excuse me massive underground furnaces because then suddenly you're in a in a high rise and and it's just blasting this heat that's like decided that's just every building in this entire district of the city has the same temperature it's like super centralized like that and um if you're in the good district it gets hot as fuck but then a lot of times you're, I mean, cause I was a teacher for years and a lot of times you're in a school and it's fucking not heated. It's not heated at all. 
that was a thing, especially in Shanghai, actually. In Shanghai, because it's in the south, they're like, no, nah, it's in the south. It doesn't get cold. But then it snows and it gets cold, but they don't have heating. So you just sit there and you just drink uh, hot water and then you throw some flowers in your hot water. And, and white people don't get it, but just drinking plain hot water is so warming. It can, it helps so much. Oh, that's one of those tricks that white people don't know about anymore. That reminds me of how I just went to the, now I'm skipping ahead, but like I was at the gas station two hours ago and, and, um, <laughs> and first of all, it's like when there's a sort of disaster mood in the world, you're just in a continue. I've mentioned this before. Me and Javi mentioned this, um, when we talked about how we were in this great big, we were trapped in a big forest fire, how suddenly you're in conversation with everyone around you, like a big enough disaster and all the walls come down and everyone's just talking to everyone and everyone's like, so what do we do? And so that's what it was like two hours ago. Like me and this guy, were both filling up these gas canisters for our generators and we're just talking, man. There's, and he's asking me about my engine on my truck and I have no idea. And I'm like, he's like, that's the three, five. Like, so I have the four, but like, is the three, five still good? And I'm like, I don't know, dude. And it's like, I think he's talking about, I was going to say leaders, but it's like, that's the last thing he's talking about. This man has never even heard of a leader. <laughs> and then he was like, yeah, he kept talking about all the tricks that people don't know anymore for survival. They're like, oh, they, they want the government to come save them. And I was like, yeah, I want the government to come save me. That's what I told him. I was like, I'm a city fag. You know, I'm just a fag from the city. And I don't know how to grow my own food. And I don't know how to rub two sticks together and make electricity. And I just want Pacific Gas and Electric to come save me. And um, he had a lot of tricks. And he taught me a lot of tricks, actually, in that in those few moments at the gas station. Because uh, filling up a gas canister, the gas pump doesn't want to do it. Because it has all these safety measures where it only wants to spew gas into a car. So to fill up a, a gas canister, you, you have to, you have to angle it a certain way. And he taught me how to do it. And then he, he actually gifted me a strap because I just have all these gas canisters in the back of my pickup truck, just like, it's <laughs> just bobbing around as I'm driving on the highway. And it's like, yeah, I feel like they could maybe explode if, if you do it, if you do it hard enough. And, um, I don't know. Does gasoline explode? I don't know what the, it's very vague what the safety thing is. Like I was trying to buy more gas canisters. I, I was at the gas station a few days ago and I'm asking this lady like, Hey, do you have gas canisters? And she's like, no, no, no. In, in a disaster situation like this where no one has power, those things disappear immediately. Like we haven't had get no one has gas canisters. Just give up looking for it. And then I also didn't have water at my house. So I was also buying water. So I was asking her like, do you have bigger like water jugs? And she's like, bro, you're not filling these water jugs with gasoline. It's not happening, bro. And I was like, Oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. She's like, you're not buying these water bottles. And I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm thirsty. I need to buy this water. I'm thirsty, lady. She's like, you're not filling these with gasoline. And I'm like, I'm not gonna. And eventually she let me buy the water bottles. And I had to promise, double pinky promise, not to fill them with gasoline. 
But then I was talking to my buddy Doug over at Holbrook, one of my managers, about that. And he was like, yeah, I've, I've filled up a Crystal Geyser water bottle with gasoline about a hundred times. That's what he told me. Um, and he's like, <laughs> sometimes, he, he said he's even filled up those like soft plastic shitty milk jugs with gasoline and then put that between his thighs and got on a motorcycle and driven like across town with like gasoline in a, in a milk, plastic milk jug between his thighs. And I don't know, is that safe? I, I couldn't tell you. Probably not, but like he's alive and he did it a hundred times apparently. All this man stuff is very vague to me. I called it man stuff in front of my, the lesbian general manager of the Holbrook Hotel. And I looked at Doug and I was like, oh, Doug, we're out here with generators. We're doing man stuff. And the joke is that I don't know how to do any man stuff. So I say it as a joke and I'm not trying to do toxic masculinity. But she looked at me all pissed like she looked at me dead in the eye and was just like, yeah, well, I do that too. I love her though. I love her and it broke my heart that she thought I was doing toxic masculinity. I love her so much. She's so fucking nice. I respect her so much and I love having her as a, as a boss. Uh, okay. Now I feel like I got a little bit derailed there, but, um, yeah, last episode I didn't have power and I, I was describing how the snowstorm hit and I, I, um, that first night when the snowstorm hit that killed everyone's power, I, um, I drove real slow behind a plow truck and then, um, what I didn't mention is that night when I left work, Chef Eric pulled up in front of me in this massive white Ram truck this huge pickup truck and I'm in my Tacoma and we're looking at each other like truck bros. We got these trucks. It's snowing, but we're going to be fine. And he's like, yeah, drive slow. And he'd been talking all shift about how like he's from like fucking Massachusetts or Minnesota or some shit where it snows all the time. And he's like, yeah, dude, I've been driving on the ice since I was 15. Like I've been doing this. I know how to do this. That's what he's telling me. And then me, I, and I'm telling him like, I do not know how to do it. Tell me how to do it. And he's just like, just go real fucking slow. Go 20 miles an hour on the highway. If that, you know, so I'm taking his advice and going real slow. And then what I find out later is that after we parted ways and did a thumbs up to each other and yelled at each other from our two trucks, he got in such a fucking situation where he's driving on Highway 20 going west and I'm driving on Highway 20 going east and going west towards Penn Valley. He's driving and he's going slow and he put it not just in four wheel drive, but in four low, four loco, as I like to call it, um, which is a sort of crawl mode where you just go real slow and all four wheels. I don't know. I don't know anything about vehicles, but he's in four low and he fucking just slid off the road and he was dumping snow on him so bad that he just got buried immediately and he couldn't dig himself out and he couldn't get out. And then the plow truck came and he tried to wave at it, but it missed him. So he's in there like fucking cold, like a motherfucker. He's in a ditch and he's invisible in this white truck buried under snow. So he went into survival mode and he's like, okay, so I'm going to sit here and it's so cold that I can't even fucking survive anymore. 
because he only had a tiny bit of gas and he had no cell phone reception. So when he's, when it's so cold that he thinks he's going to die, he'll turn the engine on and he'll heat up the car just enough to where it's hot and then he'll turn it off and then he'll wait until it's so cold that he's going to die. And so he's doing this. It's so funny. And he fucking almost died, bro. But then another plow truck came and that plow truck stopped and pulled him out, towed him out. Insane. And he survived. But he pulled his back out trying to uh, dig the truck out. So he, he couldn't get out of bed for three days is what he told him. And then on the fourth day, he showed up to work and told me the story and was like, I'm on so many muscle relaxants right now. That's what he told me. It's like, okay, bro. Basically, this has just been a week of everyone lost power and everyone got these really harrowing near-death experiences. And a person like me, I mean, I just have to be grateful that I'm a young guy and I can survive a thing like this. But it's like, bro, dude, being... Because some of these people down in Alta Sierra, some of these people further out east, up on the ridge, all these different directions... They're apparently not going to get power back for like weeks. And if you're an old person and you're snowed in and your road is not getting plowed and your vehicle is stuck and you don't have power, like, I don't get it. Like, are we going to find out afterwards that lots of people died? I don't see how that's, I don't understand how that's not the case. And we get these little phone reminders, little texts from Pacific Gas and Electric being like, you know, check on your neighbors that don't have power. And it's like, yeah. It's just a climate change story. There's just been all this drought. This is what they tell me for people who are not here. This is, this is what the situation is. Climate change has made these like massive droughts in recent years. So, you have a big portion of the forest, of the trees, are just dead. A big portion of what you see out there is just dead. And it's standing up and it looks like a tree, but it's dead. And so when it dumps like three feet of snow overnight, that tree falls down. So that's why driving around, even like just driving in town, you just see all these trees that are just chilling on cars. Because all these trees came down. Apparently like 10,000 trees came down on 10,000 power lines. And the power grid is really shitty. And, and yeah, so now they have 10,000 things to repair. So they're doing it one by one. And like household after household is trickling back onto the power grid. But not me. Yeah. Another story is like Kimber... This girl used to be the bartender at Holbrook. He got fired for showing up completely fucking wasted too many times. <clears throat> showing up to work too wasted. She, um, I was texting her to check in with her because I was trying to check in with everyone. And she's like, yeah, I'm in Huntington Beach. She's like on the beach in this, in Southern California and it's all hot and nice on the beach. She's sending me all these pictures from like a nice sunset, just gloating, being like, I'm so happy to be down here when it's like all crazy up there. And it's like, yeah, I wish I was there too. You know, it's one degree above freezing in my living room. 
I'm wearing three pairs of socks. I wish I was there too, but I'm not. And then today she apparently came back up here. I guess she flew back or whatever, and she's driving up from the airport and uh, three and a half miles from her house, she just like hit this ice patch and just slid off the road and crashed into something and didn't have reception. And she was wearing like fucking beach loafers or some shit and she had to walk three miles in the snow to her house. And then she gets to her house expecting like a normal house where she can recover from frostbite, but she doesn't have power and she doesn't have heat and she doesn't have anything. And her car is snowed in. We're fucking jacked up three miles down the road. So it's like fucked, you know? So yeah, it's just like a bunch of, <laughs> it's just a bunch of situations like that. Yeah. If we're still alive, we should be grateful to be alive. Bro, last episode, I was just sitting in my car being all depressed in a parking lot in Auburn. And apparently, I could feel it getting kind of depressed, but I, I also felt like it was kind of snappy and kind of nice. And I was kind of like on a roll. And I felt like I kind of hit some good points. But then, but then I got this email from Rich <laughs> just now. Where he was like, listening to your most recent episode, I cannot help but feel like I have to, like, maybe you're not all right. Maybe not everything is okay in your life. And he's like, you know, in winter, we have to stay strong. And he he did an, he did an actual human, beautiful friendship check-in. He was like, are you okay? Like, you are my friend. Are you okay? He did an actual check-in. Because of, because of the podcast and, and I haven't responded yet, but I'm going to tell him that, bro, Rich, I love you, bro. Dude, you're fucking, you're such a beautiful man. And in a group of poker players, most of them are, uh, they don't have that dimension. You have that dimension, Rich. That beautiful, warm check-in. That suicide watch. <laughs> It was, I did, Rich, I'm not about to kill myself. It's actually more like I really reach down and I get something real dark and I fucking talk about it for an hour on the pod. And then afterwards, I'm like, I, I'm done. And it, I feel so fucking refreshed afterwards. I feel so invigorated afterwards. Every time, every time. Yeah, and that's great, you know, because not everything is great. You know, like looking at this fucking sweet potato plant here in the studio, this thing is dead as a motherfucker. This thing is dead. Capital D, capital E dead. That reminds me of something crazy. You know what I did when I was like in fourth grade? I invented this thing where like, Oh, this is so stupid and embarrassing, but I was in fourth grade, so I think it's okay. I'm, I, as a, oh God, cause I hated like Christianity. Cause I was like this kid that's like raced Christian and I was such a rebel. So I, I'm just going to touch the computer so it doesn't go to sleep. 
Dude, it's looking good. It's looking like it's recording. I think this is going to be an episode. In fourth grade, observing, I noticed this thing that, like, God is always spelled with a capital first letter. Like, even if you talk about him in third person or use a pronoun, it's like him. It's like a capital H him. And then he came to me. And it's like a capital H he. Because God is like extra important and you want to show that visually in text. And that really bugged me. Like Christians think they have some special thing and they want to fucking wrestle the language to accommodate their special thing. Fucking assholes is what I'm thinking as a four year old, fourth grader, four year old. This would be really cool if I came up with it when I was four years old. So then I just decided, okay, so I'm going to spell my name and I'm going to capitalize the first two letters. Okay. Cause I'm going to put myself one, one peg above God. So I spelled my name, capital J, capital O, A, K, I, M. I capitalized the first two letters and I did it on everything. And I just didn't really explain it so much. Uh, but I did explain, I think I explained it sometimes, but I just did it on everything. And, and I remember I had this one friend, Philip, who, Philip Ewanson, God damn, I wonder what happened to that guy. I think he became a police officer, actually. I think he went into the military and then I think he came out of the military and became a police officer. And I don't know, I haven't talked to him in 15 years, but we used to be like best friends, dude. We used to wrestle Greco Roman style and we used to do all kinds of things and he lived kind of out in the bush and, and we'd do nature stuff. <clears throat> but, um, he had kind of bad breath. I'm sure he doesn't have bad breath anymore, but in fourth grade, he had kind of bad breath, but man, that bugged me. When someone's got really bad breath and it feels like it gets in your mouth and gives you bad breath, that's the absolute worst. And that's what happened to me in fourth grade. Um, I remember this one time we did something on a computer and on a computer, it if you capitalize the first two letters of a word, it can look like you slipped and held down the shift key longer than you meant to. So a teacher pointed it out once and was like, oh, you capitalized too much here. Uh, correct that. And then Philip was a real sport and he actually chimed in. So I didn't even say, have to say anything. And it was like, no, he actually capitalizes the first two letters of his name all everywhere. And he like, sh- he like pointed to something handwritten or something. And was like, look at this handwritten thing where the first two letters are capitalized. It's just how his name is spelled now. And I was like, oh, yeah, this bro is standing up for me. This is awesome. How did I bring that up? Dude, what did I think about just now about capitalization? That brought, that made me think of that. I have no idea. Couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you why I ended up in that story, but, but, uh, yeah. So, um, there was one miracle that happened to me, to me, because it's, um, maybe we'll talk about a miracle now. 
a real Christianity style miracle happened to me in the last seven days, which is that the snowstorm hit and uh, it got real cold and we lost power and everything was shit. And, and I went down to Sacramento and I didn't stay here. And then after two days in SAC, I come back up here not knowing if I'm supposed to work, not knowing if the hotel has power, if I have power, assuming that we're going to get power back. So on this sort of third day, I come back up here and I'm just sitting at my house and I'm texting with the managers and the managers eventually are like, nah, it's not happening, bro. We're not getting power back. We're not opening up. You're, you don't have to come into work. So then I'm sitting in my house and it's just like so cold that I thought I was going to die. And then the miracle is that on that day, that random third day, where Javi was staying at his girlfriend's house, my higher power, probably Jesus Christ himself, put a lot of anger in the heart of Javi's girlfriend and made Javi's girlfriend scream at him so much that he had to leave. And he had to leave her house because she had power and he was staying with her because she had power, obviously. So he came back to the cold house because he got chased out of the warm house by a wrathful woman, a woman who was wrathful about nothing, apparently. And um, that wrath probably come from, came from Jesus Christ himself, because then Javi came back here and he saved my life. And he was like, well, we have a generator in the garage. <clears throat> So we go down into the garage, we unplug all these fucking tubes, we drain it of all these old liquids, we get the old gas out, blah, blah, blah. Javi looks at all these videos, he's kind of a fucking mechanic, and he repairs the whole fucking thing in the middle of the night. And then we go to the gas station at midnight, and we get fucking fresh gas, and we fill it up with fresh gas, and we fucking just get it going. And it's man stuff, and it's like, it's a big combustion engine, and you pull the string like a crazy thing in a movie, and you pull the string, and you pull the string, and you pull the string, and then it's just like, and it's loud, man. Like, you stand next to it, and you can't even talk. It's loud. But there, on the side of it, it just has a plug, like a power outlet, and you just plug something in. You can just plug your phone straight into that bitch. But it's a big, it's big like a car engine. It's like a $1,000 generator. So we plug a couple surge protectors into that thing and pull it all the way into the house and and get a little heater each so we can heat our bedrooms. And I survived. And if Javi hadn't gotten in that fight with his girlfriend, I wouldn't have survived. Like, there's no way. So now, life is this thing of... Uh, Life is this thing of just worrying about the small stuff. I can't even remember if I talked about this already, because this is what I was thinking about, how it's a simulation of being poor. I did talk about that. It's like, I wake up, I don't know where to shower, I shower somewhere, I go to work, I come home, and I have to like drive real slow on the ice, and I have to drive real slow on the ice to the gas station and fill up a little gas canister, and then I have to come home and I have to like count out the hours and plan out like, because I put a little bit of gas in it now so that there's enough for me to get ready for bed and, and fall asleep in a warm room, and then I wake up in a cold room with a little bit of gas left so I can pour the remaining gas in and 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 sort of like survive in the morning and it's like you have to plan everything out and it's just like basic survival and i don't have bandwidth for anything else 
That's what I started talking about. Now I'm continuing on the thing I started talking about. Back when I poured all this water on my pants. My pants are wet, dude. And it's like, I think that's what it's like to be a poor person. You, or I think that's one of the aspects of it. I think that's one of the insidious things. Like, like it's squishy. It's squishy how when you're a poor person, it's just hard to focus because that's what I'm experiencing. I'm experiencing this inability to focus on anything. Like I'm really preoccupied and scatterbrained because I'm, my brain is really sort of busy double checking these like basic survival things of like, do I have enough gasoline? Like, where is the gas canister? Can I drive at that hour? Because it freezes, it gets, the highway gets so icy in the middle of the night that you don't want to drive too much and uh, real late. But I get off work at 11 p.m. and I don't know what to do and I drive real slow on the highway and it's, you know, I just told you all these stories about people sliding on the ice and fucking getting themselves all crimped up. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, and now this is like super problematic of a thing to say, but there's this passage by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, I think it might even be in, in the book between the world and me, like his most famous thing. Um, either that or we were eight years in power, the book, we were eight years in power, but either, either way, in one of those books, he, he just talks about this thing of how he couldn't do homework properly. Not because he was traumatized, not because he was stupid, just because he was living in a poor, unsafe part of Baltimore. And he just, his mind, half of his mind was always busy planning out how to be safe, planning out basic survival and planning out like which route to take from school to home so you don't get beat up at different times and how to posture and how to dress and how to dress and look hard and how to seem dangerous so you can be he just like all these all this stupid shit that like privileged middle class kids don't have to worry about like privileged middle class kids have peace enough to just get to sit down and focus but like poor people aren't don't get to focus and look, I'm not trying to like, I'm not saying this as a thing for everyone to feel sorry for me. I'm just saying I do experience an inability to focus because there's been an email, a very, very important email that I have been needing to write for 10 days. And every day I wake up and I'm like, I have to write this email today. And every day I just do not have the time or bandwidth. It's really bandwidth because I do sort of have time. But it's just like the time, it's just so tiring. Like I'm always tired trying to solve these things. And then I work a full day and, and before and after work, I'm just so busy with this stupid shit. <clears throat> and it's fascinating, actually. It's fascinating is my point. And I'm not saying that it's, um, you should feel sorry for me. I'm more saying that it's through the magic of storytelling and through the magic of Tanahasi Coates is great writing and literature. He is so good at conveying something and making us feel like we understand someone else's situation. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying feel sorry for me. I'm saying 
this is a compliment for Tanahasi Coates. Because it's just so this experience together with thinking about that, reflecting on his writing has really made me feel like, God damn, I have a lot of sympathy for people at, on like, you know, the lower third of the old socioeconomic ladder. And it's like, when you're down there, it's just so hard to get up off of there because like, I'm a lazy piece of shit. I can't, I work 35 hours a week and, and I just feel exhausted all the time. And the idea that I, the idea that you have to do more than that to like get ahead and get up from some difficult situation, it's incredible. And with that, we should drink a water. So today we're doing strawberry. First one is Genki Forest. Mm-hmm. Looking at it in the dark here. Genki Forest, white strawberry and coconut. On the picture, there's a white strawberry. I don't know what that means. I've never heard of a white strawberry. It actually looks like a strawberry dipped in white chocolate. So who knows? White chocolate, strawberry, coconut, sparkling water. I have maybe never had lower expectations for a sparkling water ever. <laughs> okay. Okay. That smells... Oh, I got some foam on my nose. Mm. Spilled some in my lap. Wow, that actually tastes really crazy. Like it tastes yogurty. Oh, it's white strawberry. Like the whiteness is a yogurt. Oh, it's like a yogurt covered strawberry. That's so confusing of a flavor. Also, what is that? When you get a yogurt-covered cashew, isn't that white chocolate with like a little bit of acidity to it? Isn't that chocolate, though, the thing that we call yogurt in that context? So confusing. Dude, that's not that bad, actually. That's very confusing, and there's definitely some fake-ass sweetener in there, but... But that is just like very strange. I it's I really commend the experimental vibe here. And they have this like it's a Chinese company, but they do Japanese branding because Chinese people pull no punches. They don't give a fuck. No pride. They're just like, oh, we can make zero point zero zero one percent more money if we go pretend to be Japanese. Done. Done. Decided. Already doing it. Been doing it 10 years. So they put a chi on there, like an energy character, but they did like a weird Japanese version of it. I don't even think that's the real Japanese version. They're just like, fuck it. We're selling this to white people. We're pretending to be Japanese. Fuck it. Done. Done. Version 1.0. Don't need to fix it. Done. All right. So I don't know what that is. That's like a, that's like a 6.5. That's pretty cool. That's a 6.5. Where are we at? Oh, my God. I accidentally clicked something. I wonder if I fucked it up. I don't think I did, though. I wrote down some things here that I needed to think about. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's an interesting concept. There's a related concept, the concept of um, you're poor and everything is just more difficult for you. 
You go like you want to borrow money as a poor person, and that money is going to be a lot more expensive, even though you need the money more. So in a perfect world, the money would be cheaper for you and more expensive for rich people. If we applied a sense of justice, but our, but our economic system is not built around justice, it's built around competition, and, and it's the best system we have, but it's not good at, it's, there's some things it's not good at. But this thing I'm talking about is not just economics, it's, it's squishy, it's so interesting and squishy how just being pre just being preoccupied with small problems is, there's a related concept of um, that Dr. Luke talks about a lot, which is like, it's called like a minority tax. It can also be a gender tax, but it's like, it's just this concept of, <clears throat> for example, in academia, if you're like a minority, you're just expected to like be part of all these like fucking panels and groups and do all this extra work to try to improve the fucking multicultural angle and improve diversity and, and, and fix some social justice thing. And whereas a white professor can just focus on his fucking thing that he's doing. And it's just like this extra workload on the shoulders of a, of a minority professor to be part of this, to put in all this effort in this other thing and to like in situations in a meeting, like explain be knowledgeable and explain fucking minority issues to all the white people. And it's like this extra work that doesn't like that, that takes effort. Like it doesn't just because just be, I, I don't know. I guess part of the point is like, just because you're a person of color doesn't mean that you automatically are an expert on issues of race and stuff, but you're expected to be, so you have to put in all this extra effort to become that because people always ask you about it. And it just turns into this thing where you just have extra work to do. And then maybe the same could be applied for women, you know, you know, women are maybe victims of sexism and then they have to like explain why that's a problem. And they have to like figure out how to explain that. And it just takes all this like extra mental bandwidth. Whereas like a white business leader man can just like focus on his fucking bottom line and the fucking spreadsheet in front of him. And he can just be way more focused. I don't know. I really sort of sympathize with this, this squishy angle of this as someone who feels super, super, super easily distracted and who used to be obsessed with, what was that guy's name? Cal Newport. Cal Newport wrote a book called Deep Work, which is about how there's a type of work that he calls deep work, which is like this deep, uninterrupted, multiple hours of thinking about something and really fleshing out a serious, like, thought construct in your mind that, that that takes time and if you check your phone in the middle of it it goes away and the timer starts over and you 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 like it takes time to get back into it so if you're checking your email every 10 minutes and checking your phone every five minutes you never really get to true deep work and how deep work is like really valuable and our culture or our economy and our workplaces are really there's a scarcity of people who can do deep work and Probably some people, very rare, specific people, can probably check their phones all the time and still do deep work and they're 
definitely very successful, but like for most people, it's just very useful to learn how to give yourself space and to block off time to, to get really focused. And I, that book really resonated with me because I really feel so easily distracted and like writing, like when I was deep in writing and, and writing a novel and stuff and trying to hold like a whole story arc of an entire novel in my head to see if it like makes sense and to give it a certain smoothness so that there are no jarring, confusing twists and turns to give the whole thing like a sort of coherence. It really took like, it made my brain hurt and it took so much out of me and checking my phone in the middle of it man made the whole thing just evaporate in my mind and I lost it and I had to start over from the beginning and that's how I felt and um, because I struggled so much with that and had so many things about like how I would go to the library not bring my phone not ask for the Wi-Fi password, just sit on an offline computer for hours and like focus on this one thing for hours and hours and get like this uninterrupted deep work mind state, blah, 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 all that stuff. Because that was such a big part of, <clears throat> well, especially the novel writing, I just have so much sympathy for, for this issue of the minority text because having like a distracting, annoying thing. I, if I was in that situation, I would be so furious of the unfairness of having to be distracted by something that not everyone gets distracted by. At least with cell phones, there's no unfairness to it because everyone has cell phones. We're all struggling with the same thing. But if I was a black professor and I had to like be interrupted and fucking explain race to people all the time, I'd be pissed. I'd be fucking pissed. And with that, let's drink another water. Strawberry, strawberry. Okay, so what we got here is polar natural seltzer, calorie-free strawberry margarita. Oh, Jesus Christ, this is contained fucking alcohol. Oh, my God. Fucking, this is perfect. Like, the power is out. I'm sitting here in the dark, shooting video in the dark in candlelight. But I can't fucking read this. I can't accidentally drink alcohol. My fucking A sponsor will kill me. Contains no juice, sugar, sodium, or caffeine. Summer limited edition. This is a summer beverage. That's that's strikingly ironic. Yep, it says nothing about alcohol. So here we go. Oh fuck! Let's see if suddenly I'm transported to a tropical island. This is going to make me want to take one of my three layers of socks off. That smells. So margarita is real lime juicy. That does have a certain citrus zingy smell. Oh, that's gross. Oh, that's gross. Oh, that's bad. Ooh, that's bad. No, actually, wait, no. Oh, it starts out so bad, like such fake lime, and then it's a little bit nicer. 
strawberry follow-up, but but still terrible. That's a that's a three out of ten. It might just be the wrong season for it. It might be the wrong season for it, <clears throat> dude. What else is going on? There was this one funny thing that happened yesterday where. This is not funny. This is like bragging, but I have to brag because I feel bad about myself. So yesterday my manager asked if I wanted to be a manager. He offered me a promotion or like he he threw out the idea. It was like, "Look, if if we need someone, if we need another manager, would you would you be interested?" He said something like that. And, and I said, absolutely not. <laughs> That's what I said. And I said it too harshly. I said it so harshly, in fact, that I had to text him the next day and be like, look, bro, I didn't mean to like disrespect what you do. Being a manager is a respectable thing. He says, yeah. You know what else I said, actually? This is all of this is. All of this is humble bragging, but I think it's funny in a sort of conceited way. Is it okay to be arrogant if you say that you're arrogant right before saying something arrogant? <laughs> Ugh, the answer is no. <laughs> you're still, you're still arrogant. Oh God. Self-awareness does not absolve us of our sins. Someone very, very important. Emailed me that today. Self-awareness does not absolve us of our sins. God. Um, Doug offered me a... Doug was like, would you want to be a manager? And I said, absolutely not. And then I said, in my... I told him that in my job interview... Because this is just such a weird thing to say in a job interview. In my job interview, I said, oh, by the way, don't even think about promoting me. Because I'm here, and I want a job as a server at your restaurant. And I don't want to be a restaurant manager. It's not my thing. I like to be on the floor. I like to talk about food. And I like to talk about drink. And I like to talk about the flavor and the cooking process and the origin. And I like to talk about the fish, the steak, and the short rib. You know? I like to talk about wine pairings. And I like to ask people how, how they're doing, you know? And I'm, I don't wanna, I don't wanna spend any time on a computer. I don't wanna be responsible for anything bigger than just my micro world, my corner of the restaurant. And that's my thing. And I remember London being like, oh, yeah, okay. You like to get in. You like to make money. You like to get out. And I was like, yeah. I like to talk about food, you know. And I I think looking back on it, it was a weird thing to say in a job interview. But it was also one of those things where it's the same logic, actually, as a lot of people pretend like they speak Chinese. And they like to put on their LinkedIn profile that they speak Chinese. So people who actually speak Chinese, I noticed this pattern. So I copied it 
for myself. People who actually speak Chinese will put in that they speak Chinese Mandarin, and then they'll put in a bunch of dialects and be like, yeah, so I'm completely fluent in Chinese Mandarin, which is like, you know, national Chinese, Chinese Chinese. And I'm <clears throat> conversational in, you know, Hakka and Hokkien and, uh, you know, fucking Hubei, Hubeinese and Harbinese or whatever, you know, put in a couple of dialects. Because if you put in four of them, then it really makes it seem like it, no one's ever going to check if you know how to speak fucking Harbinese. But if you say that you're conversational in Harbinese and fluent in Chinese Mandarin, then everyone's going to be like, oh, your Mandarin must be fucking stellar. So I did that on my LinkedIn. I'm like, yep, conversational in Shanghainese. Um, you know, a little bit of Cantonese, fluent in Mandarin. <laughs> like you have to, to, it's like a process of triangulation to prove that you're good at A. You have to like start talking about B as if it's just assumed that you're so good at A. So that's, I guess that's maybe what I was doing in the job interview subconsciously where I was like, I'm so good at serving that don't even think about offering me a management position because I don't want it because I'm so good at serving. And in the context of that, it's funny that to them be honor, uh, offered a management position. And so when he offered me a management position, that's, I was like, absolutely not. And the next thing I said was like, in my job interview, I said, I don't want to be offered a management position. So, so stop whatever you're doing and don't, don't offer me that. But then I thought about it and it's like, I don't know, I'm an aging man. Like maybe I should. Maybe I should just be a restaurant manager because maybe that's a way out. Because once you've been a manager in one context, maybe you can just learn how to be a manager and then you can be a manager in something else. But I've done it before and I'm not good at it. I don't like to tell people what to do. But maybe that's because I used to smoke a lot of weed. And when you smoke a lot of weed, it's hard to not get in your head about conversations with people. And it's uh, people who smoke weed cannot be good people managers. They just cannot. That's a, something I believe in it's something I believe because I was taught that by someone. Someone taught me that. Someone taught me that you can't smoke weed and manage people. And as soon as you stop smoking weed, you can manage 10 times the workforce. And it just makes sense to me. So maybe I... Because I wasn't good at it before, but maybe I should try again. Maybe I should grow up. There's a couple of new things I want to try in life. I really want to get through the 12 steps in the AA program so that I can have sponsees. <clears throat> because I really think I could <clears throat> give people some feedback on how they're doing. And really just sort of apply some principles that I've been taught. And I think that could be very fulfilling for me. And then maybe in a similar way, maybe, I don't know. So Doug was like, hey, you want to be a manager? And I was like, absolutely not. I told London in my fucking job interview that I don't want to be a manager. And then he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. you're too smart to be a manager, right? And I was like, yeah. And I didn't like that. <laughs> 
I didn't like that because then it's like I'm disrespecting him and Doug. Dude, I love, I love Doug, dude. <laughs> Me and Doug have so much fucking fun at work. <clears throat> I love Doug. <laughs> I gave Doug a can of fucking mackerel from Sweden two days ago because I was like, we got to do this. <sighs> Bro, this week has been rough. That was New Year's Day that I gave the mackerel. Look, I having no power at home and working through every holiday, working Thanksgiving, which isn't a holiday for a Swede, but let's just pretend working New Year's Eve, no, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, working all of those days. It's kind of depressing. And then you work New Year's Eve and you're at work real late and you get home and there's no power and you're alone and it's like, oh, I have to go to bed so I can go back in the morning, dude. It was, I tell you, some of these experiences recently have been a little bit mentally and spiritually taxing. <clears throat> I'll tell you that right now. Some of these experiences have been a little bit tough. Let's see if we're still recording. Oh my God. On battery, still recording. If this turns into a one hour and 20 minute video, I'm going to be stoked. Let's do another water. So this is signature select strawberry cream. We did peach cream last time and it tasted crazy. And this is going to taste crazy. Yep. Yep. One sip disqualified. That's not sparkling water. Ugh. Jesus, that's fucking disgusting. Oh, that's disgusting. It's got an ice cream on there. I have to take one more sip because it's so disgusting. Oh, you have to be on so many drugs to drink that. Americans, I wonder if Americans do more drugs than other the people in other countries. I feel like they do. I feel like Americans do so many drugs. Like, just, everyone is just on drugs, old and young. But maybe also America is just like a weird, oh, I just stuck my finger in the candle wax. Maybe America is just a weird uh, meritocracy where, like a really dystopian, like, what's that book? The Aldous Huxley, yeah, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World is about... A dystopian slash utopian world where everyone is on some weird drug called Soma that doesn't really have any side effects and you're a little bit zonked out and you're a little bit good. And if you start, there's like this weird angle to it that if you're really smart and you don't like it and you want to be sober and you want to like think big thoughts and be real smart about stuff, then they like pick you out of that system and then you get to go to this other island and be like sober with all the privileged people. And it's, you read it and you're like, so is this a dystopian or a utopian thing? Like, what is this? But that's a little bit what America is like. Like, I remember being back in Seattle and being friends with David and David, the architect who is dating a doctor and all of his friends are architects or fucking doctors or startup entrepreneurs. And everyone's like a professional and everyone has like a real career and they like knew they had a 15 year plan going into their bachelor and everyone went to grad school and, and they're all like, 
on track to make a lot of money and have a proper upper middle class life. And those people, I would sometimes I would hang out with them and I would smoke a little bit of weed and it would just be so weird. And it would be like being in a different context where smoking a little bit of weed wasn't cool. Because they didn't do it. Those are the people that didn't have like a burning pain in their heart that they had to hide. Because that's really like I was spent the first half of this episode talking about how like poor people have this massive distraction. But like the bigger distraction, the bigger thing that takes bandwidth, it's just like, were you born with a fucking shrieking paint or like, were you born with or instilled with or like tortured into having a massive shrieking hole of pain in your heart or not? And that's the real sort of uh dividing line. Because if you were born with or just got to grow up and have a peaceful heart, then you can just chill and go to grad school and be fine. And, and there's nothing to run away from. You don't have to run away from yourself. But everyone else, or like the half of the population that has that hole in their heart and they have to run away from themselves and be wasted all the time. Those end up being the poor people. And that's like kind of the big dividing line, I feel like, in society. <clears throat> Do you have a hole in your heart or not? It's like they ask you at three years old if you have a hole or not. And then that's when they decide, like, are you going to go upward or downward? And I'm just one of those people that had a hole in my heart. And then I fucking figured it out. And now I'm trying to, like, turn it around. And, and I feel really good about all of that. I feel really good about all of that. I feel really neutral about all of that. <laughs> fuck. Oh, fuck. I used to feel a lot of resentment about all of that, and I've let go of that resentment, and now I feel really neutral about it, and that's awesome. And that's where I'm at. Man, I miss Kimber. Kimber would always, people would say crazy shit, and, they, and then she, People would say crazy shit that they were doing or thinking or whatever, and she'd be like, I love that journey for you. That's what she'd say. <laughs> and it's like such a good, like, 2021 white girl diss way of how in the South people are like, bless her heart. You know? It's like this super, super polite way of saying fuck you. Saying just completely fuck off. Fuck off with all of that, you stupid cunt. But a super polite way, it's like, I love that journey for you. <laughs> oh, God. At this point, I just hear Kimber saying, I love that journey for you. I want to check in on that girl. <clears throat> <clears throat> Kimber's a hoot. I was just so heartbroken to find out that she was a huge anti-vaxxer. It's like, she's this girl, and we really get along at work and we have so much fun and I help her so much and she helps me so much and it's like it's like having a little work wife and it's just like real nice and such a like fruitful powerful friendship and then one day she comes in and she sits at the bar and we're shooting the shit and her friend is there and and she's like you know why my friend quit right 
because we don't want to get vaccinated. And I'm like, you don't want to get vaccinated? And then she starts arguing, and the thing she says is, look, I'm from this big family, and there's eight of us. And half of us got vaccinated and have all these vaccine injuries, and the other half didn't get vaccinated, and they're fine. And it's like, bro, what the fuck are you talking about? What's a vaccine injury, dude? Oh, God, they make up all these words, and then they get themselves all confused. A vaccine injury. And then I hung out with her one more time, and we went and got a massage, and she showed me her tits, and she goes, yeah, my fucking brother just had a fucking heart attack, even though he's in his 30s. Yeah, he just hasn't been all right since he got the vaccine. And you know what? When your brother, when someone's brother is just... When someone's brother has just had a cardiac event, it's not the time to argue about vaccines. So I didn't, so I just commiserated with her and I told her I was sorry and I didn't fucking, I didn't fucking tell her that it's not because of the vaccine because there's a time and a place. And that wasn't the time. It might've been the place, but it wasn't the time. Flower garden. That's, that was the place. Flower garden is a great place to turn someone into a vaccinated person. flower garden i love flower garden i go there all the time it's spelled f-l-o-u-r flower garden because it's a bakery and it's a pun and i love it and they have a drink called a flower blast which has six shots of espresso what else is going on? Yeah. Felt like a disrespected Doug when he offered me a, or like was thrown out the idea of, you know, maybe doing management stuff. And, and then I had to text him and be like, and apologize. And it actually devolved into a really nice conversation where he was like, so maybe we should talk about your future. Like, what are you really doing, bro? I always feel like I'm right on the cusp of figuring out what I'm doing. But I spent about three decades on the cusp now, and something's got to give, but it never does. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, let's talk about the thing that happened today, then. So... We lost power eight days ago, and then two days later, they sort of gave us an estimate for when we would get power back. And it seemed like such a crazy thing, because it's like, it was like December 27th or something, and they're they're like, oh yeah, January 3rd at 11.30 p.m., you'll get power back. It's like, how can you be that exact? But it's an estimate, so it's like, okay, whatever. And they there must have been some queue system that's pretty exact because it's like that was the time when our fucking ticket came up and they were working on our shit. Not exact time. It was like a couple of hours before. But that was the day, January 3rd. So January 3rd comes around six days later and, and apparently they got to us and they started working on our shit. And I'm sitting here and I'm sitting in my bedroom which is the one room I'm heating a little bit and I have a heater and it just blasts my feet with heat and I survive. And after eight days of darkness, <laughs> the lamp in the ceiling just flashed. 
and I had light for a second. Javi, I'm doing a little, I'm doing a little podcast. I'm doing nighttime podcast. Dude, I did notice that you got the router plugged in. Are we off the grid, but on the grid? Okay. Well, that's, that's pretty wild. So eight days of darkness. And then I, I, um, it flashed and I had light and we had power but only for a second and then it died. And then I was like, Oh, so they're working on it. So it might, it might happen. And then I go to the grocery store and when I'm in the grocery store, I check it and it says that I have power. I check the Pacific gas and electric outage map and I put in my address and it says you have power. It was restored 15 minutes ago. And this incredible wave of emotion came over me. And I felt like I'm going to clean the house because this house is fucking disgusting, dude. I have made a mess. I've made a mess. And so I'm buying groceries and I'm, I have, I have power back and blah, blah, blah. Everything's fucking amazing. And I just feel so good to have my house back. I buy all these fucking groceries to put in the fridge and then I come home and the power died again. And so now I have all these groceries that I, that are going to go bad and I just sulk in this dark house again and everything sucks. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, one crazy thing of how I created a mess was like, I invented this, I bought all these tea candles at Target and I took 25 of them and put them in this square and I lit 25 candles and I put an enormous water pot, like the biggest pot. When I make spaghetti for a big group of people, I have this big, this big pot that I boil water in. And so I pour water in this thing, hot water, and I put it on top of the, I, I put it on these little cups around that. I, I make a little circle of cups around the 25 tea lights 25 candles and I put this big pot over the candles and three hours later the water is boiling and it's humidifying everything and it's awesome because like all these different heaters that aren't central heating but even kind of central heating all kinds of heating really dries the air out and it really fucks me up it makes me feel like my skin like I constantly have to wash my face which is the wrong thing to feel so a humidifier is awesome so I'm just boiling water and it's just like steam coming up and it's awesome. And I have 25 candles going and it's three hours in and all the candle wax is completely liquid. And this big pot of water is boiling. And then I fucking elbow it and fuck the whole thing up. And the thing tips over and it pours water into the 25 candles and it's like an explosion. It was like fucking pouring a bunch of water into a deep fryer. And I don't know if you've ever poured water into a deep fryer, but it explodes. And it's why if you are going to deep fry a turkey, you have to make sure that that turkey is dry because if that turkey has ice on it and that ice is going to melt and turn into water, when you stick that turkey into the big barrel of boiling oil, that's going to explode, like literally explode, and you're all going to burn your faces off and die. So all this water goes into my tea candles and it's just like pow, pow, pow. And it's just like all these 
weird sonic boom explosions and candle wax sprays on candle wax sprays on exactly everything I own and all over my bed because everything in my life takes place in my bedroom this this week because I can only heat one room and so I get candle wax all over my bed and this is the bed I eat on and this is the bed I sleep on and that's my life right now because I haven't had power for eight days and I'm fucking losing my mind okay so when I was in the grocery store and checked it and it said that I had power, I just had this incredible wave of joy that I was going to do laundry and I was going to wash everything and I was going to pick everything up and I was going to run the dishwasher and I was going to get everything clean and I was going to spend just, it was, it's just going to take two hours. If I have power, it's just going to take two hours. In two hours, I'm going to fix everything. And I was going to go to bed in a house that had heat and I was going to go to bed in a house that that was neat and clean and it felt so fucking incredible the thought of cleaning up and sleeping in a clean bed where it's warm it was this incredible joyous fantasy and then i come home and it's fucking dark <laughs> And I just sit on my bed and eat a, eat a ham and cheese sandwich next to a fucking heater, next to a loud generator. And it didn't happen. They fucking took it away. What Pacific Gas and Electric giveth, Pacific Gas and Electric also taketh. Oh, fuck. Oh, God, I don't know how much more of this I can do, but, dude. Oh, God, I'm losing my mind here. But it's okay. This podcast is really turning into a real perseverance exercise. It's like how I was feeling kind of shitty about some of those episodes a couple of times ago were kind of bad. And I was talking about how, like, it's not really about them being good. It's about how the show have to go on and I have to not be a perfectionist and I have to just show up. And showing up is just like this, it's just teaching my mind to do this thing where I have to do the thing every week, even if it doesn't feel good. And even if I'm not ready to do it, I'm still going to put out these fucking episodes. God, my socks are, my feet are so cold right now. And the episodes have to be more than an hour. And we're at an hour 15 and yeah. And even though we don't have power, we run a generator and Javi plugged the router into the generator and the router is plugged into the phone line and maybe I have Wi-Fi now. I think I have to look into this. Um, I love you guys and, and thank you for, thanks for watching. Because this episode here in Candlelight, I'm sure, I'm sure everyone is enjoying this one on YouTube. Because this is fucking awesome. Alright, love you guys. Thank you.